Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I know this is going to do, well, it's not going to do light, but it's going to really resonate with my next three, not really guests, they're my friends. And one in particular is going to just tie yourself down, Linda, okay? Linda? Okay. <laughs> Tie yourself down. <laughs> Equifax Canada reveals that credit card balances in Canada have hit $107.4 billion in the second quarter. And that total, did you just fall over? And total Canadian consumer debt reached $2.4 trillion during the second quarter. That's in a country of 38 million people. A lot of them are kids who don't have credit cards. Hang on. It's time, of course, for Beauties and the Beast. Linda Latherdale, Vice President, Cambria, Canada, former money editor of the Toronto Sun. Linda and I embarked on many a mission to uh, rescue mission, and we were pretty successful at it. Catherine Swift, President of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada, past President, CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, formerly named Canada's most, most powerful woman, certainly has the most powerful voice in Canada. She just blew a five, well, not just now, but she blew a $5,000 microphone to pieces. <laughs> I'm never going to be allowed to no, forget no, no, that, no, am I, really? no, no. They wanted me to. They wanted me to send you an invoice. I never told you that. <laughs> said, she has to pay half. I said, you go tell her that. I'm not. <laughs> I don't have that kind of courage in reserve, man. I'm not going anywhere near that. And Michelle Simpson, former liberal member of parliament and seatmate to Justin Trudeau during question period, you should be on Survivor Series. <laughs> Absolutely. I made all this stuff up as I was going along. Pretty good, eh? Hey, I said it was pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. They're just, you're a tough crowd. What a tough room. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. How are you doing? Great. How are Great. you, Roy? Thanks. I'm, I'm okay. Good. You sound wonderful. Thank Your whole you. show so far is tremendous. Thank you. I'll send the check in the morning. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's start, and we can weave this whole issue of Canadians' debt, our national debt, where we are fiscally, financially, you're all three involved. All three have been involved and still are involved with financial issues. Um, Why don't we start with the carbon tax? And let's go with the different approaches by Trudeau and Polyev. You just heard uh, Mr. Polyev tell me earlier what his plans are. We know he says, ax the tax. And when I asked him, would you replace it with another tax with a different name? Absolutely not. Who wants to go first? I'll jump in. Sure. Um, I, I ha- it just so happens I've seen Poiliev about three times in the last three and a half weeks. <laughs> just, just fluky. I was at the um, uh, Conservative Party conference in uh, Quebec City, and I was at a special event this week for women, interesting enough, with Poiliev, and, uh, and I ha- he happened to visit one of my members uh, back about three and a half weeks ago. So, um, and we've talked about, I've talked about this issue with him, 
And I'm, I'm, we know the carbon tax has not worked. And there's, oh gosh, we could speak for ages about why it hasn't worked. Uh, but it hasn't. We still, we, we recently saw emissions continue to increase in Canada. So clearly, it's not the kind of thing that works in Canada. The other, the, the real problem is that Trudeau, the Trudeau government, piled the carbon tax on top of a whole bunch of other regulations, emissions caps, and they're talking about even more. And of course, we saw the um, the so-called clean fuel standard introduced in mid-year, which is like a second carbon tax. And even those who who say that you know carbon tax can work. They're, they're nothing like how they've been applied in Canada. You're supposed to impose the carbon tax, but give people the equivalent reduction in income taxes. Not send them little checks in the mail for, you know, 150 bucks or whatever, but actually reduce their income taxes. That's not what the Trudeau government's done. So we're seeing it not work. What, what Poitiers is proposing um, is, is uh, very much that of the, the, the approach of Beyond Lomberg, who I know you've had on your show a number of times, Roy, which is adaptation, technology. We in Canada are very, very good at reducing emissions from our oil and gas sector. Uh, we're also quite good at nuclear technology in Canada. All of these things uh, bear much more promise to actually have a substantial impact on the environment and not punish average Canadians, especially low- and middle-income Canadians. Mm-hmm. So I think Polyev's got a really good case to make. Okay, Ms. Leatherdale, why don't we go to you next, and I know you'll want to weave in the uh, well, $2.4 trillion debt Canadians are carrying. Oh, my God, goodness. Well, and, and let's just go back to the carbon tax. Yeah. Catherine is so right about it doesn't work. AXA tax, I'm a little bit um, hesitant because I heard that before over the GST. And remember, our friend John mm-hmm. Nutsiata was mm-hmm. the only guy to quit when right. they didn't ax the tax. They so, kicked him out. Because he wouldn't kicked, support and I it. I just saw John and he wanted me to say hi to you. Oh. Is that an event? Yes. <laughs> but in any event, let's go back. I hope Pierre Palavdit will 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 do it. I, I it has to happen. Look at this. 32% of what we pay at the pump is already pure tax. He Catherine's right. He added it to fuel. So that by 2030, the average family is going to be paying 2300 more. And we worry about inflation and we worry about Canadians' indebtedness. This is hurting us, Roy. So act the tax absolutely. So sometimes I think, um, sorry, go ahead, Linda. Well, and, and just to our whole, we are a nation of indebtors now, not only our government, which means higher taxes, but our consumers. And with these higher interest rates, I mean, we can talk about housing, but Roy, this is a dire situation. And I heard you about the United States and the debt ceiling. We're there too, Roy. We're there too. Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, seatmate to, to Justin. I, do you want me to keep saying that? Uh, well. Oh, just the first not part? A, it's not a badge of pride. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's... Uh, it's the uh, truth. Yeah, it's a fact. It's a fact. You sound so enthusiastic. What about the carbon tax? And uh, you know Mr. Trudeau well. Did, well, if, if he's if he's staring into the jaws of electoral defeat, do you think he could find himself saying to Canadians, "Okay, okay, I get it. You don't like the carbon tax. I'm either suspending it or I'm kicking it to the curb. And if that costs Gilbo, it causes him to leave, then so be it." Can, could you see him doing that? Actually, I do. Oh, really? At some point, yes, I do, because it'll be a point of desperation. 
because mm. the liberals are so far down in the polls mm-hmm. that uh, Justin Trudeau has the ability to uh, actually exceed uh, Michael Ignatius' destruction of the Liberal Party. And he did a great job, Ignatius. Oh, yeah, right. No, I mean, destroying the party. You had the party oh, yeah, had like no, 30. Destroying the party? Yeah. Yes. He has overstayed his welcome. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he, do you think, he has do you know, no idea. Do, do you think he knows that? Um, maybe on some level, but I don't think he wants to admit it to himself. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Michelle, about the carbon tax? About the carbon tax? Yeah. It's been a failure, without doubt. I'm not convinced that Polyev has the answer, and I'm not, I don't, I will not provide an answer for that, but I will say the carbon tax has been a dismal failure, and the timing of it was exceptionally bad. Yeah. Do you know the fact that we're still talking constantly about the carbon tax, and this has been, it's been in place for several years now. The fact that we continue to talk about it daily, it's part of the national conversation. You know, you pour a coffee, as you're pouring a coffee, you're talking carbon tax. Before your eyes close at the end of the night, you say carbon tax. Um, the fact that it's still part of the national conversation after this period of time tells you it's but, a failure. But you can trade, the fact that you can trade off in itself is bogus. You know, uh, companies can trade off. This one can emit more, and the one that it it really is a shell game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Now, the housing crisis in Canada, and in tandem with that, is the news that 6.9 million Canadians face food insecurity. 6.9 million Canadians. Within that number, 1.8 million Canadian kids face insecurity, i.e. hunger. How do we put all this together? Catherine, how do you approach the housing crisis in Canada? Well, it's a big mess that's been, it's been brewing for a number of years. This, this hasn't just sort of suddenly happened overnight. And uh, actually, Jack Mintz had a really good article in Friday's National Post on this issue um, about how it has been totally driven by government policy. And he talks about government policies like rent controls. Rent controls are infamous for, short, for creating shortages of rental housing. There's uh, tons of work that's been done on it over the years, and it's always a disaster. It's one of those sort of feel-good policies. Oh, yeah, let's get, stick it to those landlords, only let them increase rents by, you know, some minuscule amount every year. And, of course, they don't upgrade their property. They're not idiots. They don't upgrade their properties. They don't build, people don't build new rental units, et cetera. Things like bylaws. Uh, in, in various municipalities. Every, every government needs to take responsibility. Every level of government needs to take responsibility for our current housing shortages. But one thing that the Trudeau government has done is on immigration. And, of course, the lefties like to say, oh, oh, if you even talk about immigration, well, you must be a racist, which is, of course, absurd. But when we're doubling immigration and we already have a housing, uh, have major housing problems, a lot of these poor people, I mean, it's so unfair to people coming into this country. A lot of them are coming in as refugees, so they don't have a lot of resources. They're the ones that are ending up on the street, as, as you, you know, as you say, Roy. And it, this is so 
un- unbelievably wrong in all respects. It's great Canada, a country of immigrants. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a daughter of immigrants. I mean, you know, nobody's saying we shouldn't have immigration. But to open the taps like this when we already have serious housing shortages is just bad for everybody. And the Liberal government is also like to do things like, oh, we're going to give new home buyers, you know, young home buyers their first home. We're going to give you some tax breaks and so on. What does that do? Drive up the cost of housing even more. So people clearly don't understand, it seems, what is, what is behind the price, the ridiculous price increases and the shortages, because the two are very linked, naturally. When you have yeah. shortage, you drive up the prices. Yeah. The commu- no government to date has said, and I did hear your interview with Paliev earlier, and I think his ideas have some potential, but um, it, no government to date has reversed these policies that have caused the problems over a number of years. You can't okay. blame any one government for this. Uh, Linda, your sentence, your thoughts, housing crisis. Well, again, Catherine is so right. I remember, Roy, way back, everybody said, oh, Canada, real estate prices, cheap, cheap, cheap. And, uh, you know, great place to be. And then everybody could afford a home. Now, today, we are the third and fifth most expensive in the world. And this is nuts. And I fought for some of these programs, like the Home Buyers Plan, Borough Against Your RRSP, to get into it. I believed in the white picket fence. I believe that our children should have that opportunity. And Catherine's right, on immigration, we open up the floodgates and we don't, it's supply and demand. But I think Pierre did hit on some things. We have lots of land. Here's what I say, let's go back to if immigration comes here, let's say you have to go to a less populated area, but let's go to municipalities, they have the infrastructure in place, and then we create more jobs and cheaper housing. He talked about, and you're right, Catherine, these rent controls, there's a whole pile of levers that we can pull, but CMHC helping to get more apartment buildings built. The bottom line here is that real estate has been a cornerstone of the Canadian economy, and it is a dream of everybody. I think we all have to put on our thinking caps, and let's get this done. Higher interest rates are hurting our young people to even get into the housing market. It's making it more expensive. So I think, I don't know who's going to form the next government. And I got to say, Roy, I listened to your question. Who do you want to win? Well, everybody's cynical because it doesn't matter if it's a conservative, liberal, as soon as they get into power, there's corruption. Okay. So let's end that and let's start thinking about our children and the future. Michelle, you're going to wrap it up for us. Cry- housing crisis. Well, I agree with Catherine that rent controls have absolutely decimated that area of housing. And I do think the fact that a lot of people believe that interest rates were going to remain, quite frankly, artificially low for mortgages, and that is going to come back to bite us in the butt. I do think that there is something, we should be looking at something like uh, more cooperative housing. I was once lobbied by the Cooperative Housing Federation, and that would, that encompasses low-income families, there's pride of ownership, and I had two uh, cooperatives in my riding, and it really worked well. I think we have to start thinking a little bit outside the box. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I don't know why I did this, but I went online a couple of weeks ago. People criticized me for it. 
But uh, the average house price in Niagara Falls, Ontario is around $760,000. The average house price in Niagara Falls, New York, 150000 Unbelievable. It doesn't have Do you not think way. that the That's artificially low mortgage rates that have been around have helped escalate the pricing? Yeah. But, but Michelle, but I wanna, the U.S. has I want to add one thing, Roy, too. money laundering and, in the real estate market. builders and developers as we have here in Canada with, with zoning weirdness and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you know, Michelle, You're, from what you said about low interest rates, our Bank of Canada governor and our f- current finance minister both said these are going to last for a very long time. Beauties. They didn't. That's a go. <laughs> no. You're right. Thank you. Well, we're going to do this again real soon. Thank you so much, Catherine, Linda, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you, Roy. Enjoy the week. Thanks, Roy. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. Season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.